Thanks for listening to the program. I hope you'll support our guests by clicking on the book purchase link in this episode's description. Each purchase helps support local bookstores, and that's always a good thing. That I was pitching this book idea, and it didn't start off as Paris. It actually started off with as taking Rome, and I wanted to start with the Anzio landings. Uh, and then I realized that Paris was much more, it was a bigger story. It, it wasn't just a, a single spearhead. It, it, it was a very sprawling, very kind of epic tale. And, and I felt like I could take it on after 10 years working with Bill. An excerpt from today's guest, who's written a book about how patriotic Parisians rose up and helped the Allies take back Paris from the Germans. Author Martin Dugard is here, and I'll speak with him after this break. This is Point of the Spear. Welcome back. I'm Robert Child. Today's guest is a New York Times number one best-selling author and co-author of the Mega Million Selling Killing series with Bill O'Reilly. His latest book is called Taking Paris, The Epic Battle for the City of Lights. It came out yesterday, and Martin Dugard joins us now. Martin, welcome to the show. Well, thanks very much for having me on. Uh, it's a pleasure, a real pleasure. I want to reference a review before we get underway that uh, struck me. And... Uh, Review, the review said, Taking Paris does for Paris during World War II what the Splendid and the Vile did for London. Martin Dugard knows how to make history read with as much pace as the best fiction, James Patterson. Congratulations. Excellent. Yeah, that's high praise. He's a, Jim's a good guy. I appreciate that. <laughs> and you, uh, you wrote a book with him, correct? I did, you know. and that were, So back in... I can't remember when it was, like 2003, 2004, maybe later, he came to me about doing something called The Murder of King Tut. And, you know, Jim's books have a, a rhythm to them, you know, the, the short chapters, the, the cliffhanger endings, the, uh, you know, the kind of the cinematic opening paragraph to everything. Um, and he had never done nonfiction before. So he asked me to, you know, basically because I write history, he asked me to try to do his first nonfiction book, but using the same storytelling methods that he used on his fiction books. Oh. And at the time, I was kind of a, a purist about history, thinking, you know, we don't want to, uh, you know, history should be, should be, <laughs> should be slow. Let's put it that way, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, uh, but in the process of writing the book, it, it became kind of a challenge. And like, how do we make this book, you know, you know, I want people to turn the pages. I want people to read history. I want as much detail as possible, but I also want to make sure that people read this the way that they would read a, any any page turner. Right. And so when when Bill and I got together to write the first Killing Books, that was the model that I used to, you know, the present tense, the, the short chapters, all those same things. And then I, I, I think I took him to a new level with uh, taking Paris. I mean, at least that was that was the challenge. And that was what I was trying to do. Yeah, that's that's why I wanted to ask about uh, this new book. It's it's your first outside the killing series. What was the catalyst for the book? And I understand this book is starting a new series itself. It is. Um, at the time that I was that I was pitching this book idea, and it, and it didn't start off as Paris. It actually started off with as taking Rome, and I wanted to start with the Anzio landings. Uh, and then I realized that Paris was much more, it was a bigger story. It, it wasn't just a, a single spearhead. It, it, it was a very sprawling, very 
kind of epic tale and, and I felt like I could take it on after 10 years working with Bill. Um, but the reason for the book basically was that the killing series was over. We, Bill and I were done. We were going to call it a call it a day at, at 10 books. And I was halfway through taking Paris when he called and asked, um, Hey, do you want to, <laughs> do you want to do one more? Um, and it looks like we're going to do a couple more after that one too. So it, it continues. Excellent. Now, I'll have a question in a minute or two about that, uh, about your 11th book. Now, I know you have a, a specific approach to researching your books, including Taking Paris. You actually immerse yourself in your research, you know, to understand the characters and their motivations. Tell me a little bit about your research. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's just very hands-on. You know, I always start by, you, you know, reading uh, some very authoritative work by somebody of, like a very deep dive historian just to have them kind of have them explain the, the story to me the way that, that you would explain it to a child um but then then i do the travel i go to the i go to the battlefields or i go to the museums um i go to the places where it, where it all took place just to kind of you know smell the air and see what the ground looks like and, and really just get a feel for what took place there and then I kind of, as as I as I write each chapter, I just go deeper and deeper into each chapter, and it's it's a fascinating thing, and it can it can be very frustrating sometimes too because I love to know every nuance about who I'm writing about or what I'm writing about. So sometimes the work comes quickly, you know, but sometimes that means only writing like two sentences in an, in an entire day because I keep going down the rabbit hole and and you know, the one bit of research takes me to another bit of, bit of research, and then I'm, I'm all over the internet, I'm looking at books, and then I'm making another trip someplace to go look at something for a second time. But mm-hmm. it's, it's really, you know, for instance, in one of the, one of the books, I think one of the killing books, uh, you know, I, I did my research in the Houses of Parliament, which was great, you know, and, and to, to go into places like that, and to go into these, these hallowed uh, institutions and, and put my hands on the original documents. Um, it just it makes the history come to life. And in turn, my job, and especially with taking Paris, is, is I want to take a story that people think that they know, and I want to spin it. I want to add detail and nuance and subtext that makes them see this story in a brand new way. And I also want to do things like, for instance, it, there's a there's a chapter in Taking Paris where we're with George Patton and a, and a bunch of armor officers as they're trying to um, determine the, the future of, of American armor. We didn't have much of a tank army before World War II. And it took place at a high school in Alexandria, um, Louisiana, and there was a Lafayette, now I can't remember. But the funny thing was, yeah. as I was writing, um, I realized that all the books that people had written had, had used the wrong high school. You know, they had they had pinpointed it at a different location, oh. and because it wasn't even open, the, the the high school they were naming wasn't even open in 1940. Um, so, as I began learning about the place that actually took place, it's this magnificent high school with you know Tiffany um, furnish, furnishings and heart heart of pine floors and all of that. Just doing that digging and really rooting around to find the true place, it just makes the whole thing just rise up off the page a little bit more. And that that was during the Louisiana maneuvers. It was, yeah. yeah. The first, the first one. There were two, but it was the the first set, which took place in in May nineteen forty. Right, right. Yeah, those were amazing exercises. Speaking about the the killing series, I know you probably can't single out, you know, your favorite book in the series, but 
you mentioned, you know, researching in Parliament. What what was? Do you remember a book that was the most challenging to write in the series? Uh, yeah, that was definitely Killing Jesus, just because it's you know whenever you take on something like that, you're not just taking on history, trying to write about the historical Jesus, but you're also you have the religious aspect of it too. So you you know that people are going to be scrutinizing every single detail just to find that that one thing that you did wrong. Yeah. Um, but I would say the one that was the most fun to to write was definitely Patton. Um, just, you know, going to places like Fort Driant, which is uh, which is actually a French military site now, which is off limits, but I, I managed to kind of sneak in and, and get inside the facility. Um, and, and, you know, and just following the footsteps of the Third Army, which was super cool for a for history geek like myself. Well, I, I can consider myself a history geek as well. <laughs> now, when you started the the Killing series so many years ago, not too many, with Bill, did you imagine it would be as successful as it is today? No, it was supposed to be a, a one-off. Um, what happened was that the the publisher Bill had for his political books didn't think he could pull off a history book. And at the time, we had the same agent. And so I got a call. I was up in Mammoth Lakes and just doing family vacation. And, you know, my agent said, can you come to can be in New York Wednesday for, for lunch? I want to introduce you to a client who wants to write a history book. Um, that turned out to be Bill. And he'd looked at some other people. And then I, I got the gig. And, um, and I, we had some time to write it. So I, I didn't really begin work on it for about six more months, just kind of poking around working on another project. But once we got into it, I realized that because we started with Killing Lincoln and there were a number of books about the assassination. Lincoln is one of the most widely written about individuals in history. So I wanted to find a way to tell the story differently. So that's where I kind of fell back on the James Patterson angle. You know, let's let's write this in the present tense. Let's write it at a breakneck pace so that you feel like you're right there. And um, so in lo and behold, uh, people liked it. <laughs> and then about six, six weeks after it came out, uh, Bill called me and said, let's do book two, Killing Kennedy. And the, you know, then it, and it just kind of kept rolling like that. And it was, it was super cool. I mean, it was, um, I, you know, I, I was trying to grow as a, as a writer, just to find better ways to tell a story, you know, more economical ways, uh, again, to make the, the story rise above the page. And Bill has a great narrative sense of the the combination of the two of us working together uh, was very complimentary, and I feel like I learned a lot, and I became a better writer just of the process of having a sounding board every time that we work together. We'll be back to the conversation after this quick break. World War II was the most violent and destructive armed conflict in the history of mankind. Thousands of books, films, and memorials have been dedicated to the conflict, yet one unwritten and unheralded chapter remains. The story of America's World War II glider pilots, spearheading nearly every Allied assault during the war. Oh, I have the greatest respect and admiration for the guys who sat there in the pilot seat of those gliders. Because there was such a small group of us and so many men under arms, it, it made us feel that we were kind of special. Chip on the shoulder, don't fool with us. We're glider pilots. The largest armed conflict in human history demanded all an individual soldier could possibly muster. 
and the American glider pilots were among the bravest individual soldiers serving on the Allied lines. While many glider veterans will humbly tell you that they were simply doing their part, they will add that the G on their wings did not stand for glider. It stood for guts. Silent Wings, the American Glider Pilots of World War II, narrated by Hal Holbrook and available on Amazon Prime. Now back to my conversation with author Martin Dugard. Writing in present tense is obviously um, more screenwriting. And I noted in your blog that you're not interested in screenwriting. <laughs> you know, it, ironically, it's because it's too collaborative. Um, I, I like to... I like collaborating with Bill. He's he's a great collaborator, but, but um, you, just, you know, I live in Southern California. LA is an hour north, but I, I found that I just I love the nuance of the written word. I love I love to to play with a sentence or a paragraph, and I love to find my voice in there. And I find that when you start working with other two other writers or three other writers, or you're getting production notes from a studio executive you lose that voice and you lose that objectivity to and that ability to tell a story in a very pure and simple way. Right. Um, and plus, you know, I, I'm, I'm at a point in my life where I, um, I like taking that deep dive. I like just being in my office and, and really digging into the research rather than trying to please somebody who has a different sensibility about a story than I might have. It's very true. We're coming up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11 this weekend, and uh, your 11th book in the Killing series about 9-11, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against the Terrorists, Against Terrorists, releases in November. What about the entire story of 9-11 surprised or shocked you in your research? You know, actually, we, um, we skipped 9-11 completely. We go 10 years down the road, and we open with, um, with uh, the Bin Laden, Bin Laden raid, and the death of bin Laden. And then we um, we tell the story of the terror wars for the last 10 years. So since since bin Laden's death, you know, we've had an ISIS, the rise of ISIS with al-Baghdadi. We've had uh, the rise of the Iranian uh, state-sponsored terrorism with uh, Qasem Soleimani. And we tell those stories as well as the, you know, the hostages and the kidnappings. And um, it's, a, to tell you the truth, it's a brutal story. It's riveting. It's, um, and the research was different than the other books we've done and it's different than anything I have done because a lot of the players are still alive and so we I had the chance to talk to several very prominent individuals who would not go on the record but who would gladly you know tell me about the behind the scenes and the terror wars and um, you know and give, and give them the chance to look at the manuscript and make comments or suggestions and the hard thing about writing this book, which makes the research much different than any other book, is, is the confidentiality. Because uh, first of all, the, the US government or in, in any of their coalition partners, um, everything that they do with the terror wars is classified. So they're not going to share that with me. You know, right. It's not going to be in the newspapers. So the classified stuff, some of it I had to kind of stumble across and some of it I just you know, had to kind of figure it out from the edges. And then, of course, the terrorists don't want to talk. So you've got two groups that don't want to talk about each other and trying to tell their story. And uh, but it was fun. It came out really well. It was very, very hard book to write. Bill and I are usually very uh, 
uh, very simpatico. And we were kind of a little bit on edge with that book. And I'm not really sure why, but it was, it was a very difficult book to write, but it, I think it's the re I think the readers will be glad for the, for the effort. Yeah. I can see how it would be a difficult book, more of a modern story where the nerves are still raw with the story. Um, oh, very much so. Yeah. Getting back to Taking Paris, I mentioned it's the start of a series. What other books are planned in the series so far? Well, I'm, I'm researching book two. Um, I don't want to put the topic out there because somebody sure. always swoops in and tries to do something, uh, beat you to it. Um, yep. But, but you know, I've had the 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 blessing of working with with Bill all these years, and um, in knowing that a series does not have to follow a logical progression. I mean, you don't you necessarily like you look at we went from killing Lincoln to killing Kennedy. And at first that was, okay, those assassinations, those are easy. And then I would get emails all the time from readers saying, oh, you need to do killing McKinley and killing Caesar. Oh, okay. And um, people, you know, and then it's it's really just finding the, the story rather than finding uh, the logical instant. You know, killing Jesus, I thought was a huge departure. And then, you know, Pat and we went away from assassination with a bullet to assassination with a vehicle. And it's, it, you know, it's still controversial. And then, you know, we went into Reagan when he, he had his uh, his issues with with mental health and kind of you know, we wove all all over the map with with our topics and I feel like I have the liberty, thankfully because of the killing series to do the same thing with with the taking series and I don't know if we're going to get to ten books or eleven books with this one but I sure uh, I sure do like writing it I mean it's just as much as I it's it's a little terrifying to uh, be doing a solo project again after having somebody that. I could call and say, hey, what do you think about this? And we do the back and forth and we'd, we'd fix it, make it better to wake up in the morning and know that uh, it's all it's all on me. You know, it, it's a little it's a little it's a little scary. I, I just faced that recently. I just delivered the manuscript for Immortal Valor, which has come. It's a, a black medal of honor winners in World War Two. Oh, wow. Cool. And, uh, it's coming out and it's with uh, Osprey and Bloomsbury. It's coming out in uh, January, but I faced that daunting task of 86,000 words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Alone. exactly. Every morning looking at the word count saying, uh, how, how are we going to get there? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I, I just kind of pictured myself after a while as, as a person like with a pickaxe, like digging at the mountain, just, you know, yeah, just taking it away. I can tell you, I was, um, I'm usually a very deadline driven person, but um, I, I don't want to say a struggle with taking Paris, but it, but I struggled with it because I wanted it to read a certain way. I wanted it to have a certain attitude. I wanted the research to be as in-depth as possible. So I was like, I was supposed to deliver November 1st and I kind of thought they forgot about me. So I got a call about November 15th and say, Hey, um, that manuscript, uh, any, anytime <laughs> soon. And I said, yeah, I'm there. And they said, we'll take until mid-December. And I called mid-December and I was actually, I wasn't telling them, but I was only about 40,000 words in. I'm, and I, and I was really, you know, it was slow going. And I didn't deliver until almost the end of February. And, um, but they were very kind about it. <laughs> Thankfully, I'd send them some pages. They knew that I, was, I wasn't screwing around, that I was actually writing every day. But yeah, I felt super bad about being late on that deadline. It's tough because I actually 
when you have a deadline, and I had two deadlines. I, I had a July 20th and an August 20th, and my publisher pushed it up, and they said, could, could you deliver earlier? Um, and I had been writing, you know, all along, and uh, I was ahead of the schedule I thought I would have, and I said, yes, sure, um, because they said the problem is that in COVID, all the shipping times are, are slow, so they, they needed the book in earlier to put it on a boat to come to America <laughs> because they're in England. Yeah. It, it's crazy, the behind-the-scenes uh, publishing industry, what goes on. I've heard there's a getting a getting printers is hard because of COVID too. You know, finding people to actually print the books. I think that's part of it. You know, Paris was supposed to come out um, the same day as as Killing the Killers, and and so I kind of when I found out the day that they were supposed to come out, I, I just didn't I didn't like that's not a, to me that's not an act of synergy. That was you know it was the potential potential for. Uh, to just go sideways in a big way. And I was, to surprise me, so they, they basically pulled it from November, they moved the book all the way up to September 7th, which made me really happy just because, I mean, you know the feeling, it, once you finish a book, you turn it in and you're, you're waiting for it uh, to, when, once you're done, the, the wait between the time you, you, you get it completed and the time it actually is released in the stores can be six months. Right. And, it, and it's, it's such a long wait, you know, because you want the world to see it and you want them to react and respond and hopefully it does well. And so I'm glad they moved it up a couple months. Yeah, it's exciting to have two, uh, two books coming out at the same time, like you are. That's... Uh... <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> the book is called Taking Paris, The Epic Battle for the City of Lights. Martin, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. I really enjoyed myself. That's it for this episode. Thanks again for joining me. Next time, my guest will be Tim Gray, founder and president of the World War II Foundation, whose company has produced 28 films for public television on World War II. And one of the stories I'd always heard over the years was how Elvis got involved to help raise money for the USS Arizona Memorial. So we did a whole film on that narrated by Jim Nance of CBS and Kyle Chandler. Elvis held a benefit concert at Pearl Harbor that helped bring the momentum back to the project to help get the USS Arizona Memorial built. That's next time. And stay up to date with all the upcoming guests. Sign up for the Point of the Spear pipeline at robchild.net and follow me on Twitter at robchild. I'm Robert Child, and this has been Point of the Spear. Music licensed from audioblocks.com. Point of the Spear is produced by RSC Media Group. I want to take a moment to thank our growing army of listener supporter members. You make it possible to continue our mission of bringing you the best military history authors, filmmakers, and movers and shakers. If you're not a member yet, it's easy to join, and it takes just seconds. Scroll down to the bottom of this episode's description and click the support link. You'll come to our anchor page, click the support button, complete the brief form. It's that easy. We're planning loyalty perks and giveaways to roll out over the coming months for our early supporters who sign on before the end of the year. So don't wait. Become a member today. And thank you for your support.